0: You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more.
1: Welcome to a new episode of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. Our guest on this episode is a Grammy-nominated engineer, producer, and mixer from Philly. He graduated from Temple University in 2018 with a degree in entrepreneurial studies and innovation management. With over four years of professional experience, he's known for his work in the hip-hop, R&B, and gospel music genres. In 2017, Ben had the opportunity to engineer Insecure, a track which featured Jasmine Sullivan and Bryson Tiller, as well as work on Brian McKnight's album Genesis. This work earned Ben three NAACP Image and Soul Train Award nominations. Since then, Ben has had the opportunity to work with artists including Lil Uzi Vert, Post Malone, Ty Dolla Sign, Jeremiah, Lil Dicky, Meek Mill, and Chill Moody, to name a few. In 2020, Ben opened his first commercial studio space in Philadelphia named After Five Studios. Ben has earned his first Billboard number one. He's also received his first Grammy nomination for Best Country Album for his work on Ingrid Andrus' debut album, Ladylike. Currently, Ben works out of After Five Studios and is the co-owner of Nice Things Music, an independent record label and management company. Ben's also former governor on the board of the Philadelphia chapter of the Recording Academy and is an active member in the Recording Academy. Outside of music, Ben has spent time editing podcasts for iHeartRadio's Art of the Hustle, hosted by Ryan Leslie, as well as audio mixing work for the online TV series Single and Anxious. Here for your listening pleasure are the self-made strategies of Benjamin Thomas. Hey, Ben, how's it going? Good, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Uh, Really cool, first of all, to have a fellow Temple Owl. I went to Temple as an undergrad, and it's great to connect with another Fox grad and see you out there hustling and doing big things. And I think that's really inspirational to other Temple students and other college students in general, because you've recently been nominated for a Grammy Award, and we'll get to that story a little bit later in the podcast. But there's a picture of you flowing around the internet on social media of when you graduated holding up a sign that says, next stop, and you you know, fill in the blank, and you said, win a Grammy. So you're calling your shot. Uh, I love it. Uh, you've already been nominated for a Grammy two years out, pretty incredible. Um, so let's start at the beginning. How did you get into music production and engineering to begin with?
0: Yeah. Um, so I started, um, incredibly young. I started in probably in middle school, um, you know, around 12 or 13, just kind of learning about audio and kind of, uh, stuff like that. And then when I got to high school, I, um, got involved with like the technical theater group at my high school. I went to Germantown friends in, um, that's in Northwest Philly, like Germantown. Um, and, um, from there I kind of was doing the sound for the assemblies and plays and musicals and stuff like that. And then, um, I had a friend who wanted to make, he wanted to rap. And so he asked me if I would record his raps. And so we took, um, the microphone from the video game Rock Band. like the microphone that it came with. And um plugged it into my laptop. And we we begged our math teacher to let us use his classroom during lunch. So we turned his classroom into a studio for like two weeks during lunch and uh recorded some bad song. But from there I kind of um started to understand that this might be something I wanted to do. So then um my I I grew up playing some instruments. I played bass and I played guitar and drums and I played in band and stuff like that. Um, so a early 2000s, uh, alternative rock cover band, <laughs> like a lot of Weezer, Modest Mouse type stuff. But, uh, I had a music teacher. I was in the jazz band um, as well. I had a music teacher named Jeff uh, Torchon. He nominated me for, um, this summer camp called Grammy camp, um, which was, uh, It's a high school summer camp. I think they still do it that the Recording Academy um, runs. And so I was selected to attend that in New York. And that was my first time going to a studio. Um, It was at this this really nice studio um, called Converse Rubber Tracks. And essentially Converse built this like state-of-the-art recording studio that they would um, let different bands use for free. Um, It was like a marketing thing for Converse. But um, I was in the audio engineering track. And that's when I really like got into a studio. I saw Pro Tools for the first time. And I was like, all right, this might be something I want to do. So then from there, I um, convinced my mom to let me turn the basement of our house into a into a studio. And so we, um, me and her friend, who's a contractor, for a couple, probably took about two months because he would come like in between jobs and on the weekends and stuff. We built like a vocal booth, which was just like a closet with a window in it um, in the basement. And so then that was the first iteration of um, after five studios, and the name kind of came from like school, and I had to like. Go only do stuff after five. That's what we got the name from. Um, and then from there, college. I applied to a lot of different music programs. Um, I got accepted to a couple different ones, but financially and just um, for other reasons, Temple just made the most sense, um, even though I wasn't going to be directly studying music. Um, and then, so I go to Temple, um doing finance stuff as well. So I'm working at a wealth management company. Um, as an intern data analyst, making spreadsheets all day. Um, then I I was around 2000, I guess. Winter 2015, like the beginning of 2015. Um, it was like the second semester of my freshman year. That's when I started meeting people. So that's when I met Chill and Jason. Uh, that's when I met uh, Will, Will and Dave at Rec Philly. Um, and so I started building with them and um started you know working at rec philly i i was their in-house engineer at their first studio space for almost two years um designed the spaces that they currently have at, at knife and dolphin studios um and just kind of been a part of what they've been doing from the very very beginning um and then i 2016 i'd say i got it no it's maybe 2015 i don't know all the years are starting to run together at this point but um i got a um yeah, opportunity to intern at a recording studio in Philly um, named Studio Breed. Um, and the studio was owned by a couple of different people, specifically one person um, named Benny Bell. He's a music producer. He um, produced and co-wrote uh, Golden for Joe Scott and stuff for Vivian Green and for Jasmine Sullivan and whatnot. And so I kind of became his intern um, at the studio and he kind of took me under his wing. And then after a couple months of interning, uh, there was a couple of turning points. Um, one of them specifically, um, Ty Dolla Sign came um, to Philly to do a session and everybody said no. And I said yes. And the uh, session went, well, we did a bunch of songs, a couple of them uh, ended up getting released. And then around that time, um, Ant had also approached me and he said that um, Jasmine Sullivan didn't want to come to the studios doing record recording her home. And he uh, bought her a bunch of equipment and asked me to kind of go to her house and set it up. whatnot um and so i went and i set it up kind of showed her how to use it and i kind of picked up on the energy that she might not be uh that interested in recording herself um and so i decided to reach out on a limb and and just ask her you know if you don't want to record yourself just call me and i'll come back and that um i didn't think much of it i didn't think i'd ever hear from her again and then two weeks later she called and that led to a very um very successful working relationship uh we worked probably for about 30 years um off and on a bunch of songs with her, and it's great now that some of them, some even some of the songs we did in 2017, stuff are finally starting to get released, um, which is great. And then from there, um, graduated, uh, turned down some corporate gigs, um, just tried to make the music thing happen. I lived by Temple, I had a two-bedroom apartment until one of the rooms was a studio, um, and then uh, moved into a different studio space. Um, started working at Milkboy. Um, and then eventually, uh, in 2020, I opened up my own studio, um, was presented with a bunch of different opportunities, opportunities to, um, kind of collaborate with, uh, with Uzi Bird, opportunities to collaborate with Meek Mill. Um, I guess i opened my own space, which was originally, um, supposed to be my own personal workspace. Um, I was trying to shift my career a little bit more in the direction of, being a mixing engineer and a producer rather than just recording. But then um, I was presented with some really great recording opportunities that I couldn't really pass up on. So um, I decided to pivot from having my own personal space to work at to um, becoming a business owner and turning After 5 Studios into a professional recording studio. And so now we have four um, employees, three engineers, and one assistant engineer. So it's just been a kind of a mental shift to go from being, I'm, I'm, kind of a fiercely independent person So now I am, um, I have a team that works, you know, that we work together. I don't, I don't really like to frame it as like, oh, I'm the boss and they work for me because i not what this is. It's a, it's a collaborative process. It's we're a team. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, provide a place to empower them, um, give them a chance to, you know, not only bring their own sessions in, but also for me to use my brand, to bring sessions and bring work in, um, very big on, um, making sure that everybody's fairly compensated. So, you know, made the conscious decision to, even if it meant, um, less money from my pocket to make sure that the engineers that that work at my studio are compensated, uh, more than they would be at any other studio. Um, and just, you know, try to help provide some opportunity and provide a Really nice and comfortable place for people uh, to create. Thought so that was a long no, that was that was
1: fantastic. I, and I think you you pointed out a lot of really cool things that we're going to unpack on this episode. Because you know, to go from being a college student and having this dream of working in the industry and in the music industry, which is really tough. Now, Philly in general is kind of a fertile ground for all things audio in a lot of ways, right? You know, uh, very popular music creator city, um, has a rich history in that space in all types of genres and different types of music. Uh, So it is a good place to to do it. But at the same time, super competitive industry. And I love a lot of the things that you talked about. First and foremost, let's talk about the name After Five Studios, which you mentioned came about because you were doing it after school. And right now, you know, side hustling is really, in a lot of ways, the key to building your own empire, I think, in the world that we live in, right? Doing what you got to do during the day to pay the bills or to get your education or to, to progress in sort of the common way. But then tangentially to that, being able to elevate yourself, you have to be willing to put in the time, put in the extra effort and put in the extra hours when other people are binge watching Netflix or doing whatever they're doing, right? And that and that's exactly what you did. You After Five Studios really represents that as a brand. So, what's your advice for someone who's just going the traditional route right now and maybe they have a propensity for being a creator, for being an innovator, for doing something different. And by the way, this applies to entrepreneurship generally. This applies to anything, right? Even if you wanted to start a side hustle as your own consulting service, these tips and best practices really apply. So, what was your method for staying the course of putting in all that extra time and all that extra effort to get to this eventual payoff that you're on the path to now?
0: Yeah, um I mean, I think that the I don't I don't like to think of myself as like exceptional or I have some, you know, special talent. I'm not like I'm not I wasn't I wasn't naturally gifted to to become the best engineer ever. I'm not like I am not a perfect pitch or like I'm not the best musician or whatever. Um I, I would say I have a I was always very comfortable with computers because most, that's mostly what I do. You know, it's it's control the computer in an effective way to record songs. Um but I think what uh kind of separated me from my peers and and others is um i just have done it more and i think that's really what it comes down to with anything it's just you need to just do it like more than other people and i think that's what makes you good at something it's not like you can have talent but you have to put in just a ridiculous amount of hours i mean i think before i got the bigger the bigger opportunities that i I was able to get this year I, i i can confidently say that i've probably done over a thousand sessions and probably recorded over a thousand songs at this point, which from, and for me that that happened because I got that, because I, I had that space early on and I was able to start, you know, working with friends and, you know, the studio in my mom's basement, we didn't have, I didn't have maybe 20 clients. I, I did over the time, 20 different people that I didn't know, um, but it was mostly just friends. I would not, but um, I think I got, I got my internship um at a, at a studio at, I think I was either, 18 or i had just turned 19 where most people start interning at studios at 22 or 23 or 21 so i just started earlier so it just caused me to put in more time and i think that's what it really comes down to with anything it's just like there's it's not there's no shortcuts you just have to put in more hours than everybody else and then that's what will eventually you'll eventually get good at it just by and not just like putting in hours and just sitting there i think it um I'm a big believer in consistent, deliberate practice. Um, I think that is what separates it, it, If you're trying to do something exceptional and not exceptional in the way of like prodigy or this, like I just think that anybody who wants to like people will talk about all the time. Oh, I want to, I want to make a million dollars. or I want to have passive income or I want to, you know, get nominated for a Grammy or go platinum or like, sell an art piece for 50,000 dollars like you're trying to be exceptional that's that's the exception the, the high exception from the norm so if you want to be exceptional that's fine you just have to know that in order to do that you're gonna have to just put in a ton of work to be to do something that is extremely out of the norm and that's kind of the way i look at it i think it comes from consistent deliberate practice it's not just like like i'm a big sports fan big basketball fan and um. Over the past like five to 10 years, the NBA players, especially the younger ones, have gotten really, really good at shooting, like really, really, really good at three-point shooting, right? And it's because back in the day, 60s, 70s, 80s, people, you know, would go to, they go to the park to play basketball and they just play pickup games and play in high school and that's, but now you have kids starting at age eight who are doing rigorous shooting drills and they're shooting from this specific spot with this perform and you can't it can't hit the backboard has to be a decision let's come back like that deliberate practice is what's going to make you really good so for me it was like it wasn't just i was just hanging out with friends and we no we were like really trying to learn how to record the best songs okay how can we you know put these parts together and how okay cool if we do 10 vocal takes how do we learn how to pick which specific ones will work, and then just deliberate focus practice over and over and over, I think is what makes you good at anything.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head there, that anything is possible so long as you're willing to put in the work, the time, and the effort to get there, right? And a, a great example, going back to your NBA uh, analogy, is, for example, watching the documentary on Netflix, The Last Dance, with Michael Jordan obviously sort of being the feature of that, about the the Bulls run at the sixth championship. And whether you look at Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, uh, LeBron James, any of those individuals who have excelled at the game of basketball or excelled at the highest levels of athleticism in general, all of those guys put in insane amounts of work and are always willing to go the extra mile above and beyond the already exceptional talent in professional sports to begin with. Right. And that's sort of what sets them apart. I think you're right. But that's the thing that the after five concept emulates in a lot of ways, because that's the idea that you have to put in that extra time. It's not just the time that everybody else is already putting in. It's the fact that you're willing to take those extra hours of the day where you're exhausted from all the other stuff that you're doing or where you, you know, you're beaten up and you literally you know, pull yourself up off of the couch or whatever and say, I don't care if I have to work until 3 a.m. tonight to pull this off. I'm going to do it because that's my passion. And that's what I'm trying to drive towards. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, so like, even for me, when I was in college, um, I was pursuing a double life at one point, um, because ever since I was in high school and, um, when I was in, when I was in high school, we had this thing called junior project. So, um, for the month of January the juniors had no school and you could and the purpose was to pursue an independent project and that could be whatever you want like you could as long as it was supervised by an adult like there was a kid who worked with a wood shop teacher and built a guitar there was a girl who went and she ended up like being an intern on Saturday Night Live and she was like on one of the episodes and so um and I was playing I was very dedicated to playing basketball so I couldn't I had to be back at school every single day at three for practice. And so, um, my basketball coach, uh, who's also, um, my mentor and father figure, uh, he, before he became a basketball coach, he used to work at NASDAQ in Philly. And so he set me up there and that's when I was, I was introduced to the world of finance and investment banking and stuff. So I was pursuing a double life. I, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so while I was in college, I was both interning a studio and, um, working as a, intern analyst at this wealth management company. So there were days where it was a class, you know, or even, or even go, you know, go to the office in center city in the morning, eight, nine, you know, stay there till three, go back, take a class, you know, one of those like five thirty to eight classes or whatever, then go to the studio and I'd be there until five in the morning. And then, you know, I did that for probably like six months, just every day you know, um, and even right now in, in the current, you know, things that I'm working on, I think I've probably had, um, four days off in the past 90 days. Um, so it's, it's, it's that I'm um, being willing to put in that extra amount of work. Cause I think, like I said before, I think everything is just a proxy of time. And so if you just keep doing stuff, you, you're going to get better at it unless you're doing it the wrong way. And you
1: try to evaluate that. Yeah. And it kind of goes in a lot of ways back to that old Napoleon Hill adage, something along the lines of that which the mind of man, and by man we mean humankind, can conceive it can achieve, right? And that's the concept. But what's missing from that is that you have to conceive it, but you also have to put in the time and the hard work and just put in your reps, right? You're not going to go to the gym and in five minutes on day one walk out looking like Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger looks like Schwarzenegger and was able to do what he did because he was able to work out harder, put in more time, put in more reps, do the mental prep, do everything, immerse himself in this passionate pursuit of what his goals were. And in a lot of ways, you're very similar in that context. I mean, you say humbly that you're not exceptional, but I I think that one of the things that stood out to me just now in our conversation is that you pointed out that Ty Dolla came to Philly looking to do a project. And everyone else said no. And because you said yes, you got that opportunity, right? So tell us about that experience. So Ty Dollar Signs coming to Philly. He wants to do some work. He wants to put in some time in the studio. Why is everyone else saying no? And what was the difference maker that got you to say yes?
0: Um, I honestly don't know. <laughs> um, I think so. A lot of times, um, Philadelphia, especially during the summer, um, we if you work at one of the bigger studios, you get a lot of major and that's how I, how I started getting credits early on is because it's a lot of uh, every tour is going to come through here and a lot of times what will happen is an artist will be on tour and they'll get here early and they'll just want to pull up to the studio and work on something so that's how I ended up working with Ty Dolla that's how I worked with Post Malone that's how I worked with Brian McKnight just because they got here a little early and wanted to come to the studio um I don't know who they called I don't know why they said no um or I don't know, I could, that could be wrong. They could have just called me first. I, I don't know. I wasn't involved in that part. I got the call. I was with a friend of mine at the time. We were working in his apartment, kind of just hanging out and recording some stuff. And when I got the call, I just looked at him. I was like, yeah, I'm leaving. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I'm leaving. <laughs> um, you know, like. It's, it's hey, I gotta days. go. There's
1: this opportunity. I'll be back later, right?
0: Sure. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving, you know. Uh, he was cool with it, you know, whatever. Like, what was I gonna say? I'm, even like she says what it is um i think that i think it's it's a mix of not only do you just need that um hard work but you also there also has to be a there's a there has to be a certain amount of luck that comes along for opportunities to present themselves um but i think the the luck comes in the opportunity presenting itself it is then on you to do what you can to keep it so i think that it is important that we you know Mention what part luck plays in, in anybody who's successful is like you have to have certain opportunities get presented, or certain things have to break your way, or you have to, and you can do things to try to increase your chances of, of the luck. And so, I can't say that I i knew this when I made the decision, but I can say looking back on it, I had um, I was in high school, all I wanted to do was go to NYU, that was my dream. Um, I grew up in New York, um, and I, I had a, a really close friend of mine who's a year older than me who went to their like uh, creative music program. And he was telling me how great it was and how great New York was. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So I applied early to NYU and I got accepted with a full scholarship, but not for like the room and board. So full tuition, but not, and not to the music program. Um, but it would have still, I would have, it would probably cost me like a hundred thousand dollars by the time I graduated. Um, and I made the conscious decision that like, you know, my mother sacrificed a lot for me and she, you know, sent me to the best school. And everything. I I couldn't I couldn't add a hundred thousand dollar tab, couldn't do it to either of us. Um, and so I chose to go to Temple. And in hindsight, it was a great decision because it allowed me to increase my likelihood of getting the lucky outcome. It's almost like to make another basketball analogy, it's almost like, you know, when at the end of the season, the worst teams get the most ping pong balls. And so for me, what I did was by being in Philly at the time, it was it was a, it wasn't that long ago, but 2014 six seven years ago, it was just a different time, um, and um, I was able to become the 18 19 year old kid that was trying to figure this music thing out. Rather than going to New York or going to LA and being one of a million, I was, and I was able to get taken under the wing by a lot of the OGs here and getting involved in the Recording Academy and going to their networking mixers. I'm meeting this person and meeting that person, meeting people I should have not been meeting. And they're trying to help me because they're seeing part of themselves in me. I'm some young kid who's willing to do literally anything. Um, and so it kind of, it it I think it made more opportunities present themselves. So I think that's what I mean by like, I was able to kind of increase the number of ping pong balls I had, that something would happen. That's an opportunity would present itself, you know? And then whenever they come, you got to just like kill them. You know, like I'm, I've always been an above and beyond I'm gonna go super above and beyond um on anything, like even with my studio, we're very big on hospitality, so like you come there's snacks, there's waters, like we keep it like and not just like, oh, there's like a candy no, no, no like spend a hundred dollars a day after Halloween on Halloween candy, like we have boxes of it, like there's chips and waters and sparkling <laughs> waters and coffees and everything. No, we did alcohol for a little bit, but um I didn't want to put the pressure on my on my team to have to you like we had minors coming. I was like, nope, (laughs) like we're not, we're not, I'm not putting the pressure on you guys to to know who's old and who's not. But, you know, we have I I spared no expense when it came to hospitality. So like I paid extra to have central air installed in both rooms and um, you know, to make sure that the space looked nice and comfortable because I think those are the things that matter. And so even when I was doing sessions at other studios, if I knew that a big artist was coming and I'm like a broke college student at this point. I would go out of my own pocket. Like I remember, we had somebody come through. I don't remember who it was, but I went and I was like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna buy the fruit trays. I'm gonna buy a bottle or two. I was, I'm gonna go above and beyond so you have a memorable experience and you remember me. You know, even if it's just this one day. You know."
1: Yeah, that's a brilliant point. And I think going back to what you were saying about luck, while it does play a role, I think people attribute luck a lot of times to a lot of the things that you talked about, which is. All of the time that you're putting in and all of the effort that you're putting in to build up to this opportunity that presents itself, all of those things lead to the opportunity to begin with. And then being able to strike when the opportunity is there and being able to take on the opportunity is sort of the difference maker. And people call it luck, but I think a lot of times it's more so that curiosity to just go and play in a different space that you're not really comfortable or used to, and to go outside of what is the norm and to try to do something different from other people, which a lot of times is criticized from the outside. Have you faced that level of criticism throughout your professional career and throughout your professional career? And when you have faced that criticism where people maybe you know, you were in the finance world and I'm sure that When you're working in that space with a lot of more traditional and sort of conservative career oriented and minded people, some of them might look down upon the fact that you're spending your free time in the studio trying to do something else. Some of them may not, certainly, but a lot of times I think there's this stigma that you're not following the normal path and being a team player and just falling in line and doing what you're supposed to do to build what other people's image of a traditional career is. So, when faced with that, if you've ever been faced with that kind of thing, how have you overcome it?
0: Um, I would say that I was actually pretty blessed. That so, the, I was working um, at a company called uh, uh, First Trust Financial Resources, um, and they, it was a—it's a wealth management. You know, they—you know—they do mutual funds and pensions and all that stuff. And you know, they do individuals, and they also do like small businesses and stuff. But um, I was really blessed that it, it was—it was a very family environment. You know, it wasn't a huge company. There was maybe 40 people there um and they were incredibly supportive of what i was to the point where i mean i so i interned there for the summer between freshman year and sophomore year then all of sophomore year and then some of junior year. So i was there for uh, like two years almost um and i still and this was i haven't been there in probably three years i still talk to some of the people they're incredibly some of my biggest supporters um from day one um but i think that came from I was the best intern they ever had, so I. It wasn't that I was. There was no slacking. It wasn't like I was. Oh, you know, I'm skipping out. I'm not coming. I gotta go. No, like I would stay. At the time, they went through. A, um, they got bought by a different company, so they went. They went through a merger, and um, me and and my boss at the time were the only two that really had, um, the, Excel and data skills to be able to transfer all this data to the new company. And him and I. I mean, I would work weekends. Like we would. We at one point stopped coming into the office and we would just go to his apartment to be able to focus. And so I wasn't it wasn't like I was asking them to support me. Um and I wasn't holding a mind in the bargain. No, I was going above and beyond doing work at home, coming in, staying. I mean, I, I got cool with the with the uh, cleaning staff at the office because I'd be there so, you know. So it wasn't it wasn't easy when I there was a couple of occasional days when I'd be like, I need to go and do this fine because i put in the effort and the and the work to to do a good job on on what they asked me to do so i never really got that much pushback um i guess the only real pushback um and criticism i got i got some criticism from um some friends at some points about like why i would work with you know artists that weren't as talented um but it you had to put in those hours so every session i did with a rapper that nobody's ever heard of is the reason i can do sessions with Will Uzi and with Meek and with Post Malone and stuff that because I had put in the time and perfected my skills on those sessions you know um but that was that was really it I a little bit of pushback around um a lot of people some people told me to you know go take the regular job for a year or two save money and, and quit anybody whoever tells you do that nobody ever does that get into the cushy corporate environment you got regular check you got benefits and you're you know nine to five in it and you no one no one ever walks away and i'm like i I thought i was i was 22 i was like what's the worst that could happen it goes bad for two years and i go and take the same job like i have i have my degree i have my experience you can't take it from me what's the worst that could happen like and i'm i would if i had if i had known or not known but like if the end of my life i could have saw the the alternative path, and I was like, "Damn, if you had just did it, you would have gotten your Grammy nomination at 24." And I had taken the, where I would have been devastated, you know. It's like, what was the worst that was going to happen? So I was just like, whatever. And that, and that also was beneficial by me choosing to go to Temple and not having the debt that I would have had if I had went to NYU weighing on me, so I could make a clear decision without having that factor. yeah into that's
1: it. great point and great advice, and I think. One of the things that stood out to me there was that concept of what's the worst that can happen. And that really applies not only to people who are 20 year olds, but 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. As long as you're alive and kicking, you've got that opportunity, right? Because as you said, you can work during the day and take a little chunk of your evening out seven days a week or five days a week or just on the weekends. And just put in time on whatever you're passionate about. I mean, we live really in one of the best times ever for that. We're you're in Atlanta right now. I'm in Philly and we're recording this over a Zoom call, you know, pretty effectively for the most part. A couple of things here and there. But uh, for the most part, you have the opportunity, the ability, the equipment has become super democratized. I mean, you can record a 4K movie using an iPhone. You can go off and buy an Osmo Pocket or something like that, which is a little camera that you can fit into your pocket, and you can record some pretty amazing shots doing that. You can get relatively... This is the I best know, seriously, ever. right? He's holding up an iPhone. For those of you, <laughs> by the way, you can check out this episode on YouTube, of course. So make sure you check out our YouTube channel. You can see Ben and I talking over Zoom. Yeah, exactly. You can pick up. I mean, there are plenty of Hollywood filmmakers who say all the time, you have more power in your pocket right now to go out and create a film if you wanted to than I had when I started my career. Right. And that's the idea is that You can really just take a little bit of time each day. If you took an hour out of each day, you'd have 365 hours put in at the end of the year, right? One hour each day. So I I think that's pretty incredible what you've done with your time. I do want to talk about, you also mentioned earlier that you had to go from this mental shift of being an independent, you know, hustle hungry um, putting forth the effort, looking for the opportunity kind of guy to building this organization that you've built through After Five Studios with adding entre- adding other engineers and other individuals to your team. And you've had to learn to work more collaboratively with others. For There are a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, that struggle with that. And that's entrepreneurs in the creative space, whether you're an artist of any kind or a filmmaker, film producer, Or if you're an entrepreneur in the traditional sense that you, you know, build something or start a business or provide a service or whatever it is, it can be tough to be that I run everything in the back of my mind by myself. I know exactly what I need to do to learning to delegate that to others, especially when those individuals might not do it exactly the same as you would do it, right? So how have you made that shift and what's your advice for other individuals like that?
0: Yeah, I mean it's been I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. It's been hard. I, I've been meeting to uh get with my assistant engineer for the past like week to show her how to schedule the sessions online. Um, but I just haven't gotten to do it and I keep doing it and I don't need I can't do it anymore. But um yeah, so the the first thing for me was picking the right team um and having a a deep trust in them. That was that was the the number one thing. Um so I I just picked the right and, and that took a, it took a little bit longer. You know, we the whole studio process took long. It was supposed to be about a month, starting in May, and we didn't open until October. We didn't finish construction until September. It was it, it was a lot, but it worked out. Um, so it, first thing was picking the right team. Um, so I have three engineers: um, Justin Miller, um, Joseph Buchanan, and Julian Harris. Um, Justin was. The first person I was in like, with Justin, is a really close friend of mine. He's a great engineer, um, and he is just talented. He's very talented, um, and he's very responsible. Um, Joseph, I knew from working at another studio, and also because I knew his uh, – I'm very close with uh, – he's also a producer. I'm very close with his management. Um, his manager is actually one of my mentors. a uh, guy named Cruz. He's Meeks. Uh, he, he mostly works with – With he's mostly known for working with Meek no Um, but Cruz has been an invaluable mentor to me for the past probably two years. Um, and then Julian, I had known from just around, um, and it was kind of, it was kind of random because he called me asking me a question like about, I don't know, it was about some software or something. And then I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, "I'm, you know, this and that, you know, looking for a new place. I was like, oh, come, you know, it's, we had a meeting and everything. And then, um, my assistant, uh, she goes, by Joy Beach, she's been working with me for probably three years now, two or three years. Um, but it was about picking the right team and trusting them. Um, and then I think I had a, a slight advantage because I spent so much time in a corporate environment. I was able to bring some of those things. And because I have a, you know, more traditional degree on it, study, you know, music, I was in business school and even though it was entrepreneurship i still take all the regular classes and so um i was able to take certain things that i had seen and bring them in so for instance at, after five it's were very uh technology based so if you want to book a session you have a website you book your session and you put your hand you be engineered to text they can decide oh can i do this yes no they hit yes they hit no they hit yes you get a text back here's a don't bring any guests, wear a mask, like, you know, here's where, here's everything you need to know. It's very hands off where a lot of studios are more like, you got to call, you know, talk like I I wanted it to be as hands off as possible. And I I wanted to take other kind of effective practices I've seen in other small businesses and other businesses work. So we have a, we have a weekly uh, call every Monday at 12, every Monday at 12, even if it's five minutes, every Monday at 12, we're going to get on the phone. I'm going to say, you know, this is what we're doing this week. Like, Does anybody need anything? Does anybody have questions? Yeah, to uh, to just
1: jokes, (laughs) to just interrupt you for a quick sec. That's something that I've implemented as well in my law firm and in the production company that we have on the side for podcast production as well. I've started doing all hands meetings as well. Every single week, we have specific times that I meet with my teams at the different organizations. That way, we can stay organized. We can know what's going on. I can have a, a better sort of mental picture of what other people are doing and what I need to be doing to support the team. And that to me as well has helped with that transition between, you know, all the work that's in my head that I need somebody else to take care of so that I can focus on whatever efforts need to be done to grow my practice or to grow the production company or for whatever reason, or to prospect podcast guests, whatever it is I have going on. Right. So that's been a really effective tool for me. Have you seen that as part of the difference maker for yourself as well?
0: Oh yeah, it's great. It's uh, we can just, everybody can just stay on the same page about everything. Like what's going on, especially with me being, you know, traveling and being in and out a lot. Um, it's just like, just little things like, are we, are, are we out of snacks? Like, do we need, like, do we need more water? Like, is everybody cool? Does anybody need anything? I'm outside of just the, the, and it's also, because of the, um, t- 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 not a lot of overlap other than like Julian has a session from six to nine and Justin has a session for 10 to 12, they're only going to run into each other right there. They're not going to work. They're not going to collaborate together much, you know, but that it's kind of, we're building kind of, I'm trying to get everybody to, you know, buy in and, and team together and, and, and it's going well with that. Um, the other big thing for me is, um, Leading from a place of, I understand, and of deep empathy for, you know, the, for the squad, right? So I'm big on, like, I'm, I'm in a really great position where the space that, I, that, that the studio's at, um, we are blessed to pay a flat rate for our electric use. So there's no variable cost for the room to have one session or 100 sessions. So to me, what that means is if that if there's not a session on the calendar, somebody better be in there doing something. And I'm very big on that. So if there's no session. So if there's no session today until right now, it's 12 o'clock Eastern time. If there's no session until six, it's free for use. Like if you want to go and you want to work on something, if you want to go and you have an artist that you're developing, and, you know, they don't really have a budget right now, but you guys are working together and you're, you're trying to build their career and they're trying to build your, because that's what happened with me, with Bill, Sean Smith, who I, you know, worked with for years. And then he ended up getting a record deal or somebody like Armani White, same thing. These are great friends of mine. we you know, worked together for years and neither of us had any money. And now, you know, we're both able to, you know, Sean, Sean and I went from neither of us having any money to him, you know being able to get a record deal. And then now he's able to, you know, they're able to pay for the studio time. So I'm big on those type of things. So if you have that person that you're working with and there's nobody here, just come and work. Like, I don't care, you know? And so that's where we have the balance of, we have these weekly meetings and we're very organized and everything's very scheduled and sessions are scheduled and there's, you know, a built-in buffer of 30 minutes and, you know, everything has to get approved. But we also have group chat where it's like, just send a text. That's all I ask, just send a text so we, everybody knows what's going on. Yo, is anybody here? No? All right, cool. I'm going into I'm going into the session at 6. Fine. Okay. Use this room. Get that's how you get better. And it's better for me cuz now you're better and it you know, I'm from just leading from a place of of understanding and understanding that there's more to this than just how can I make the most money possible? I'm willing to compromise on my margins to buy snacks. I'm willing to compromise on my margins to pay everybody more and and you know, I'm willing to You know, when a lot of times when you when you deal with with record labels or other large businesses, you know, the invoices can take 60 to 90 days. I'm willing to front that money because I can do that from the business and and not have to make, you know, one of my engineers wait three months. That's not fair. I'm willing to put that up front and I'm not going to take a cut because I'm doing it. No, we're here to just make good music. And, you know, if I could give everybody studio time for free, I, I totally would.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what helps to build loyalty. You actually have kind of a triple bottom line sort of structure to your business without saying so formally, at least right where you care a lot about your stakeholders, which is inclusive of your clients, of the people that you work with, of your outside collaborators. All those individuals are really important to the lifeblood of any organization or any endeavor. And I think that that is what's helping you to succeed so much and to build loyalty. Not only from your own team, but from the outsiders to your organization.
0: Yeah, and then um, we're just just really trying to provide a. I, I've been I've been blessed to travel and see different studios and kind of see what they how they operate and and whatnot. And so I try to incorporate best practices that I've seen in other places. Um, and just very very big on hospitality. Um, I put more money into the aesthetics of the place than into the equipment. Made sure we had very, very high quality equipment. The room's treated well. It has, you know, great acoustic treatment and everything. It sounds good, but more into the vibe and, you know, the aesthetics and everything because, and not just that, but also making sure that we have everything that's needed because the thing that, that kills a, a recording session faster is not having one of those little iPhone adapter pieces, somebody, so somebody could play something off their phone, compared to not having a fifty thousand dollars like uh, speakers in the wall. That's not going to stop your session. Not having that, or a headphone adapter, or having an extra cable, those are the things that are going to make your session stop. You know, so I care more about those things and about the um, kind of just the experience. You know,
1: great point. Now let's talk about Nice Things Music, which by the way can be found at nicethingsmusic.com or. At nice things music on Instagram, uh, if you want to check them out, tell us how that collaboration between yourself and Chill Moody came about, and uh, tell us a little bit about your experience in preparing events with them and some of the awesome things that have happened.
0: Yeah, so, um, so nice things is Chill's brand, um, uh, Chill's my best friend, uh, my older brother. You know, we, he's one of the first people that. I connected with, um, and so me, him, and then our attorney and other best friend, Jason Berger, who's the best entertainment attorney in the world, but also the best one in in Philadelphia. Um, we, we, um, founded Nice Things Music in 2015, originally as a, um, uh, record label. We were, our, our main thing was we weren't going to necessarily sign specific artists. We were going to kind of sign their projects and kind of get this, this was a different era where it was a lot harder to get distribution. Mm Than it is now. Um, now, you know, with stuff like United Masters and stuff, it's a lot easier to get distribution. But before you had to really either know somebody or just take the risk of like TuneCore or something like that to get your music on all the different DSPs. So we originally started like that. We put out some really cool music, we worked with some great artists. Uh, um and then we eventually um kind of pivoted more into doing events. Um and so it started off with doing some stuff at by Southwest and whatnot. And then eventually, um, we were approached in 2017 to, um, by Wawa Welcome to America to do, um, a stage at their, you know, free 4th of July event that they do at the Parkway every year. So the first year we kind of had to scramble, um, because we found out that we were able to do this in June. <laughs> um, so we kind of scrambled and bootstrapped and, you know, got some artists on there and it was really great experience and vibe was great. Um, the second Yes, the second year is when we really kind of kicked it into high gear. So they gave us two days, um, the third and the fourth. So on the third, we were able to do a great event that Chill had actually done 10 years prior, I think, um, called Girls Like Nice Things. And so that was a art and music event um, centered around women, women empowerment, um, female identifying creators. So we had um, Elle Varner was our headline performer. We had some great artists out there. Some great vendors it was at Sarah Green um we hit capacity um, at the space I think there was probably about a thousand people up there maybe more um it was just a great it was a great day a great some this is a great vibe um everything went perfectly there was no hiccups there's no issues everybody had an amazing time and then the next day we um were able to have an event um at we had a, a concert at the Parkway um and then when our headliner which was DJ Active who's You know, one of the best DJs from Philly toured with Janet Jackson and with Jay Cole and everything. He brought out Freeway and Petey Crack and Free Steves and Chill and Delphi. And it was great. Uh, It was probably about 5,000 people out there at the end of it. Um, We had some great vendors, food trucks and other really great performers. um, Highlighted some other local businesses. um, And it was just, it was really cool. And then, so this year we had to pivot. We did a virtual event. And so we were able to have like an online stage and it was interactive and stuff, which was cool. And it's hopefully, um, you know, 2021, 2022, we're back out with Wawa, but also back out doing other events, um, you know, trying to just kind of build off the brand that very established, do things around, you know, his, his beer and his music and his clothing and kind of just trying to really provide some high quality events in Philly. But then also just all three of us in our own way are, are trying to still help provide opportunities and stuff for emerging artists in the city as well.
1: That's awesome. Really, really cool. So when you do something like that, when you're creating a big production that's got so many moving parts and so many complex things that go into it, what is your process from going to idea to manifestation? You have to raise money in between. How do you get into that? But let's, let's go from literally you and Chill want to do this project. You have this big, you know, bombastic idea. How do you do it?
0: Yeah, so we have some other great people that help us. Um, you know, um, this woman, her name is Latiana Tab. She helps us a lot with uh, the planning of these things. Um, we have another uh, great marketing um, genius um, named Richard Lambert. He has uh, does a lot of really great stuff in Philly. So it, I might not be the right one to ask. Um, a lot of the fundraising has to do with Chill and Jason's network is 20 times mine. They're also a lot older than me, <laughs> so I would hope it would be. But uh, their network is, is twenty times or minus. They handle a lot of that. My role in a lot of this is um, going back to my previous background. I handle finances. I make all the spreadsheets. I make all the presentations, all the PowerPoints, and all the pitch decks, and uh, keep track of all money. Um, so a lot of a lot of that stuff. Um, I help with um, the kind of help uh, with finding the artists, and then I do a lot. They do a lot of the behind the scenes work i do a lot the day of these events i'm the running around with my head cut off person at the event that, that's 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 my role that's just my personality i'm also the youngest so cool i, I remember at our fourth of july event um it started raining halfway through the show um and so we had kind of like a 10 minute rain delay and then you know before um before they could go back the stage was like soaked and we didn't have any towels so i'd like went up to the merch table and like grabbed the tablecloth and like ran on stage and like all my hands and knees like mopping up the water with this like tablecloth. Like that's I'm I'm more of that type of person. They handle kind of the fundraising um and whatnot. That's not really my strength. I think we kind of I'm very big on like do what you're good at and then don't do what you're not good at. You know, Gary vee talks about that like double just double down on your strengths and find other people to fill in things you're not good at. I That's not who I am, you know. Um, twenty four. Most of my network doesn't really have any money, so um, so we're trying to. You're getting there. You're getting there, though. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 it's, we're getting there. But um, yeah, I think it it just comes from anything big is not big. It's just a series of small steps, you know. So even like with my studio, it wasn't just it didn't just like go from like empty room to studio. It was like, all right, cool contractors, air conditioning, equipment. Okay, cool. Let's get this thing painted. All right, cool. We have it now. Let's decorate it. All right. It's decorated. Cool. Now we got to find people to work here. Like it's, it's just, it's a bunch of little steps that eventually lead to a big one. It's not just like here to like, there's 5,000 people out there,
1: you know? I think that's the process that I use for most things that's worked well for me. And it sounds like it's part of your process as well is start with your goal. For example, after five studios being the goal in the back of your mind, and then work your way back to what are the first incremental or baby steps or whatever you want to call it that I need to take to move down the path to that direction. Right. It's, Sometimes really just that simple, and that's what ends up tying everything together here to the luck that provides you with the opportunities that then provides you with the success that you ultimately achieve. Now, tying this episode neatly into a little bow, I'm going to bring it all the way back around and ask you to call your shot again. So you called your shot to get to the Grammy nom. You've done that. Now, let's hopefully you win the award. I'm rooting for you, by the way. But let's hear you call another shot. What's next? What can we expect big on the horizon from you?
0: Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, the Grammy thing is so easy. It's such an easy thing. Like, what do you want to do? I want to win a Grammy. Like, it's just such, it was so easy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't easy to achieve, but it was such an easy thing to say. Um,
1: right. I don't right. know. I don't but know hey, that. man, um, listen, calling your shot and going out and doing it. Mad respect for doing that. that. I think that's such a cool thing to manifest something Thank like that. You.
0: Um, I don't know what's next right now. I'm really focused. Um, focused on what I'm currently doing, focus on the stuff I'm currently working on and um, focus on continuing to grow the studio. We just got another room. So my original idea went from just it being a one room space for me to kind of go and chill and create So now it's a three room space with a team of four people. And now we have two different, I'm not sure what we're going to do with this third room. It might be another studio, probably will be a podcast room. I'm not sure what we're going to do yet. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what shop to call right now. I'm really just focused on, um, kind of building, getting better. Um, I'm big on, um, learning and just constantly getting better at what I do. I, I feel like I get better every single day feel like the best song I worked on is the most recent song I worked on and I like it that way. Um, I think now that's kind of slowed off a little bit. There's other variables that make certain songs better than others, but it's still, at least for my performance, it's the best one is the most recent one. Um something I'm kind of working on right now is uh we're working on um the After Five Academy, which is going to be a free um summer camp that we're gonna do this year. Um for high school students from underserved communities. We're gonna have, you know, probably four to six students. We're gonna do um, kind of two weeks worth of completely free programming around music and music production and just really trying to, um, help, you know, give back to, because I feel like I've been incredibly blessed and had a lot of great opportunities provided for me. Um, and I need to do what's right. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that and hoping that goes off, you know, as a success. Um, and then right now I, I just want to like, you know, see what happens with this with this grammy i can't believe it's in country music (laughs) um see what happens with that um you know hopefully you know continue to just make great music it's not even really about these the accolades the grammy meant something to me specifically because of the recording academy being central to my life so whether i i mean i feel like i have made it through every rank that they could possibly have i went to their high school camp and I was a campus ambassador for the college program. And I was a regular member and I was on the production and engineering committee. And then I became the youngest um, governor ever. I think I'm just going to say that I, I I am confident that nobody else served on the board of any chapter at 23. So I'm just going to run with it. Um, so then I became the youngest um, governor ever. And then so it was just it, it felt like the nomination was like a culmination of, of all the work I had put in and, and all of the opportunities that the recording Academy has continued to provide for me. So that's why I was, um, that's why I'm more excited about that. But, um, right now it's just about continuing to grow, continuing to, um, you know, provide opportunity for other people. That's been really great. And I think out of everything that's kind of happened this year with the Grammy and, you know, I had a billboard number one and, you know, all this other stuff. I think the thing I'm most excited and most proud about is that in in the midst of a pandemic, I was able to take you know three of my friends and 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 give them the opportunity to to continue to sustain their careers. I care about that more than anything else, honestly
1: yeah, it's pretty awesome and your propensity to help the community that raised you is something that's also near and dear to me. It's why I teach at temple. It's why you know I try to get involved in community initiatives. Uh, I feel the same way. I grew up in North philly, came from you know. Uh, a background that would be considered underprivileged by most people, and you know i've been one of the lucky ones, like yourself. I feel the same way that I got opportunities that you know I was lucky to get, and I want to give back to that community that sort of raised me exactly
0: well. yeah, no I grew up with a single mom in, in Harlem before it was an nice. you know I feel like if you play my story a hundred times, it goes in the opposite direction, and since you know because of all the amazing people, family friends, teachers, mentors who supported me, like I have to do that. And so that's where we got the summer camp. And that's also where we have like, um, the, for me, I'm like, I'm very open. Anybody, anybody can ask me questions. I try to answer every call, every text. Sometimes I'm a little slow, but like, you know, I, I really try to be a resource for, for those in Philly who are trying to learn production and engineering. Everybody has my number. They know question just call like. I got some homies. They don't even. They don't even ask me how I'm doing. They just call when they got questions, and I'm cool with that. Call, that's totally fine. You got questions? Call. I'm gonna try and answer them. You know, because I people have have sewed this knowledge into me, and what am am I gonna do with it? Like die with it. Right. Great point.
1: So that's BenThomasProductions.com. If you want to check out Ben's recording studio, that's After5StudiosPHL.com. And that's the number five in there. You can also check out NicethingsMusic.com and at NicethingsMusic on Instagram. Ben, thanks so much for your time. Looking forward to see all the cool things that you have on the horizon and good luck at the Grammys.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.